Whether it's increased automation from tools such as ChatGPT, making some jobs redundant, remote working environments, or workers having to be exceedingly more competent with the technology at their disposal, one thing that everyone agrees on is that the future of work won't look like it does today. Now, 16 episodes in on today's podcast, Charlie and I thought it was a time to reflect on some of the brilliant messages and wisdom imparted on us by our guests. With that in mind, we thought we would unpack today the skills that will likely define our future business leaders. Today, we have comprised five key traits for our future leaders from the lessons learned throughout our podcast with the likes of Australia Post CEO, Paul Graham, Ord Minute CEO and Broncos Chairman, Carl Morris, Serena Russo CEO, Kathleen Newcomb, and many, many more. And after, to demonstrate these traits in effect, we unpack the amazing story of David Chudhope and how he took on industry giants Telstra to become one of the larger telecoms in Australia. We hope you enjoy. Our first trait, communication. Uh, you spend the first, you know, three to six months really listening to all your stakeholders, customers, unions, uh, you know, your own team, you know, politicians, community groups. Uh, so you can really get a sense of, uh, of what is expected of Australia Post. I think this idea of communication being very much a two-way street is probably one that I personally have sort of had to learn over time and that I don't always need to be the one speaking and that sometimes, yeah. you know, like the loudest person in the room isn't always the best communicator because they're often the one that never listens. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, the biggest, the biggest thing everyone always says is if you're talking, you're not usually learning. Yeah. So it's like you've got to sometimes be the listener. And I think that especially obviously because we're so young, like you know, I know if, for myself, I don't maybe have that much to add all the time. Mm. But, you know, through being able to effectively communicate and, like, ask good questions, you can gain so much out of, like, any sort of interaction. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and I think that's – I mean, that's what we've learned probably so far oh, through the pod, which has been pretty pretty lucky, you know, like, to have these conversations. And all we've had to do is just, you know, come up with smart questions to ask these people and we just gain so much out of it. Like, oh. it's unreal. And, you yeah. Spe- yeah, you speak about the questions. Like, sometimes I reckon our best pods that we've ever had – are like the ones where we'll hardly say anything. And yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, and we always sit there and go like, "Yeah, it doesn't have to be us saying things to the audience because, as you say, we are young and we're looking to learn from these people and sort of along the way, hoping our audience is gaining from these people as well. Mm. But in doing that, we are sort of trying to learn to ask the right questions, and yeah. then I think good communicators are able to empathise with, um, with the person they're communicating with to understand, like, sort of sort of their position in the conversation and they really they by doing that they get more out of that person because that person's willing to be open with them so yeah i don't know i think that's probably probably um the the big biggest learnings i took away from our clip with andrew but also to be honest with all our guests because they're all great communicators and they've all made us feel very comfortable even though it is trust me quite daunting getting these executives and like business leaders in a room and going like as two young people quizzing them on their thing but they, yeah. they make us feel very much welcome to exactly that. yeah and you translate that to like you know when you're working wherever you're working mm. um you know you, it might feel daunting going and asking you know your boss whoever it may be mm. you know a question about you know why do we do this or how does this work mm. but at the end of the day they probably appreciate you asking it mm. and you know that is such an important you know communication skill to learn and then i guess you know what else they talk about is like being able to communicate your idea effectively and stuff like that. And that happens over time. Like mm. no one's going to learn that, you know, in a day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we'll talk about later with um, 
David Chudhope. Like he was obviously a very good communicator of his idea as well. And yep. something that he talks about a lot is having to learn the art of sales. And that involved him having to like, you know, learn to communicate a lot better than what than what perhaps he maybe thought he could, mm. you know, prior to that realization. So yeah, it's very interesting. And definitely a skill that's needed um, you know, for future business leaders, I guess. Yeah. The next skill that came up a lot in our discussions with some of Australia's premier business leaders is the need for an ability to collaborate and draw from others, not just people, but also the technology you have around you. Yeah, Charlie, I can think of a few examples of this as well. So I recently read an AFR article that sort of summed up the latter part you spoke about there about being able to harness, you know, the technology around you effectively. And it was an article where the chief executive from law firm Lander and Rogers, Genevieve Collins, so that there is, quote, nothing to fear about chat GPT. And that is in, it is, in fact, an opportunity for law firms more so than a threat. And this really struck me, you know, being someone studying law, the idea that chat GPT could now do many basic legal functions and is likely earning, like learning more as we speak, seemed like a direct threat to a, a potential career in that area. But the same way internet search engines were being touted as the death of legal work and other sort of work when they first came out, um, and when they were first founded, it's actually more important to embrace these tools early as it simply makes you much more efficient with your job. And, you know, I find myself using chat GPT now, like <laughs> I tutor a few high school kids and like they're showing me how they're really skillful at utilizing it. And I'm, I'm not there going, oh, don't use that, write it in your own words. I'm there encouraging them saying, oh, but maybe find a better way to prompt chat GPT to give you a better outcome because I reckon it's probably more accretive for them for the long term because yeah. that tool's always going to be there. So it's like, why would I say, no, mate, don't use that. And then when my hour's done with him, he's just going to sit there and, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, use yeah. ChatGPT <laughs> anyway. So Exactly. Yeah. So I think Miss Collins summed it up well, talking about how ChatGPT won't understand like specific facts of a case or like it will never understand like, you know, real specific aspects of like anything it's learning. Mm. It'll always be limited in, in that way. But, you know, it can always identify really important, you know, key overarching things that can really help us get to like an answer to a problem yeah. like much quicker, yeah. which I think is great. And definitely something that, you know, people our age, Charlie, like probably need to learn. Oh, for sure, mate. And yeah. I think like, to be honest, using technology, like when we go back to throughout history, what technology has been introduced for, it's like for improving efficiencies and making stuff quicker, meaning meaning that we can channel our energies in places where it's more and better, yeah, exactly, better required. Yeah. So like yeah. I'm sort of going like as much as I, I'm personally someone who doesn't really, I'm not great with like digital <laughs> technology as, as, as we, as That's we often come across. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. As we often come across and as a lot of people who know me will attest, but one thing that I'm probably fine that I'm good at is, or I like to think I'm okay at is finding people around me that do know how to use the technology and helping put them put them to work. Um, yeah, <laughs> hello, that's Lock the people side. Yeah, I guess you can talk about that for a bit. Uh, eh? Hello yeah. to my brother, Lockie. He helps me with all my technological issues. Um, <laughs> yeah, so pretty much, and we come to that people side, technology is always going to need people. You're always going to need people to manage the idea and the objectives of using the technology to achieve an outcome. And that's yeah. ultimately like, I think um, John Buchanan was really good in, in his, in his, um, in his podcast with us. He spoke about how engaging people um, who had the skills when potentially he, like as a coach, obviously he's not out there implementing the ga game plan, but he's trying to get people on board to implement that game plan. I think 
we really need to look at co- uh, technology in a similar way at times, particularly as technology becomes more and more adept to what we are doing as humans. Mm. So the artificial intelligence aspect of technology, I like, yeah, I, I get pretty scared when at home I'll be like um, talking with mom. And then I don't know if you got, if anyone's got Alexa, um, if any of our <laughs> listeners have Alexa, that Amazon thing on your soundbar and every now and then she'll go, the weather is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? I was just talking about what temperature it is today. And yeah. So yeah, every now and then like, I'll be really scared by it, but I'm quickly learning that it's not something I can suppress and that it is something I'm going to have to embrace. But I think it's also just taking, taking people and it's through that linking back to communication, what we spoke about with Andrew, it's taking people on that journey with us and making sure that all stakeholders feel empowered when using it because otherwise you can really alienate people um, who are scared of that technology. So yeah, I don't know. Really interesting, really interesting um, uh, part of the discussion I found. And I think that AFR article speaks to a lot of really good points. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I guess the the first part we talked about with collaboration and you touched on a bit earlier briefly as well is like being able to tap those around you um, to like for help. And I think that... Um, yeah, John Buchanan spoke to that perfectly when he was telling us about, you know, how he was able to harness the relationships he had with some of the key members of the playing group mm. um, and how this enabled him to get a gauge on what he needed to focus on in his coaching. And, like, just to recap, like, John was very open to us telling us he wasn't a fantastic cricketer. Like, mm. he only played a handful of games for Queensland. Still better than most of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... You know, compared to the people he was coaching. I mean, come on, mate. You're lucky to play a few games for grammar, let alone, <laughs> let alone, let alone Queensland. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So he was, he was, um, you know, wasn't a fantastic cricketer, but, you know, ha- had the likes of Ricky Ponting, Adam Gilchrist around him and recognized that and, you know, I guess swallowed a bit of his pride and going to them yeah. for help, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's a massive part of collaboration. We got to use those around you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he then told us later on the podcast, and we'll um, we'll put a clip in here. You know, when I started with Queensland back in that '94, there was no no such thing as computer technology mm. at that stage. So, and I wasn't I wasn't a computer expert at all, mm. but I just did believe that beyond our ordinary sort of conversations and team meetings where mm. individuals might make comment. Mm. We could make that far better and more precise if we could actually present it in a way that uh, enabled people to see things either by way of analysis of the opposition mm. or by way of feedback back to the, the person. So, um, And yeah, so John talks there about how he was able to implement a heavily stats-based approach, which was sort of rare for the time where he was using what was at the time, you know, quite advanced spreadsheets and programs mm. to like model... I guess the, the way the team was made up, you know, their performances. Far different to the way you think about your classic sporting coaches. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, just get the team up and about. Like yeah, John yeah. was very much sort of like he was thinking. It's thinking, a very almost mathematical approach, really. Yeah, yeah. analytical and thinking, yeah, exactly. okay, how can I harness all these massive developments? Because at the time, like internet technology, you know, div- whole heap of developments have come in society and he's gone, well, why aren't we applying this as much in sport? And, yeah. yeah, so he was, yeah, I mean, he literally sums this point up about collaboration using the technology he had at his disposal and mm-hmm. then also the people around him. So, I think mean, that was something really cool that we learnt mm. throughout and something that's, again, definitely so important for, um, you know, young professionals to be able to 
learn to collaborate well, mm. um, you know, to excel in their career. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the next skill that we identified as being pretty important um, to learn is the willingness to listen and take feedback on board. Yeah. Um, you know, not everything, you know, everyone's going to like and there's some things that come in and, you know, there was one recently which I thought I didn't particularly like but some of our clients really, really liked it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, then I had to go back and have a second look because I've much, you know, some of them are pretty smart people. So uh, I went back and had a second look. Um, and so, uh, which is always the smartest thing you can do with those sorts of things. You always go back and have a second look. Yeah, so pretty much like in that discussion we had with Carl, his point about taking a second look is one that really resonated with me personally because to take a second look, it often involves acknowledging that sometimes like you're not always right. Mm. So I know Will and I have a few discussions where I'm I'm rarely wrong, but like at times, <laughs> at times it's very hard to, you know, swallow your pride. And we spoke about it earlier with John in terms of swallowing his pride and recognising that, he's not going to have all the answers. This is very much like very similar, similar point. And, but I suppose this goes more to in your analysis, understanding that, yeah, your, your analysis might've been right, but they still could be a better perspective that yields a better outcome for you or your company. And so I think Carl, when Carl was referencing it, he was talking often about investment opportunities and it's a big thing in investment and this concept of invest, investor bias. And I suppose like, in my own company, or sorry, in my own investing, and I'll, pro- I'll probably definitely have preconceived ideas and um, preconceived ideas based off my experiences in life. Mm. and That led you to companies like BWX, man. Yeah, exactly right. As <laughs> sort of it. down 80%. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it shows what I know. Anyway, um, so <laughs> coming back to that and moving on from me being slightly wrong on one, um, I guess there's... There's, there's so many reasons that we need to just stop and listen and hear what other people have to say because chances are, like particularly if you surround yourself with the right people, I think Will and I are learning that they're not saying it out of a bad place. They're often, it's coming from their own perspective and I think I think that's a key thing, this whole understanding of perspective because, and having that within companies, having, having various perspectives because if you're all singing from the same songbook, like how are you going to challenge each other when there's like, you know, when you're looking to improve and or if you're looking to analyse a certain scenario, if, if we're all saying, yes, this is great. Like, yeah, you got to create an environment where feedback's welcome, hey? Yeah, yeah. and that's a big one. It's got to be welcome. So, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know, like, I, how would you... Well, I don't welcome your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, clearly. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, so important. And something, oh, yeah, you know, you learn to do well, I think. And you only got to improve in that sort of environment because otherwise, yeah, you're just not being told when you're wrong and how to improve so yeah exactly no, exactly and i think like i don't, we're talking about various perspectives here and how sometimes it's good to even just have perspectives from completely outside source so like minres a pretty pretty noted stock on the australian stock exchange just recently made justin langer um just recently appointed him to their board and mm. like you go what the hell is justin langer doing on an asx listed company board but yeah. like he's probably got some really valuable perspectives from his time in in teams in and i think i think when we speak when we were speaking with jack about it we spoke to him a little bit and he he sort of said oh probably gonna from his understanding of it it was going to be in like the people and culture sort of side of things and driving the organization understanding what makes people tick that sort of thing yeah and i think that's probably that's probably just an interesting perspective to have because chances are and i I don't i don't know any of the executives at minres but chances are them they mightn't be as well versed in that as justin is but by having his perspective they get a better outcome and listening to it. And because 
they probably are quite well versed in some aspects of pe- um, people management, but he might have a better way of doing something that they haven't previously thought of. And that's, I don't know, I think probably with it, without listening and being willing to say, hey, what we're doing now is could be improved is like that can often hold back a lot of companies and it's, it's held me back before and stuff I've done where I've been adamant that I'm right and I just haven't been willing to go back and take a second look as Carl told us to at yeah. what we're doing. I think and, that happened in one of our uni group assignments. <laughs> oh, did it? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't particularly you. It was probably just both of us not wanting to go back and look at it. Oh, at all. yeah, exactly right. And that no, and that's another <laughs> both another, of us not taking a second look. <laughs> not, another good aspect of it as well. Like I think I know Carl was more talking more talking to his investment approach, but Will and mm. I have sort of ex- extrapolated a bit here and sort of gone, yeah. You you just, you just always got to. Sometimes it's good to just sit back and take that little bit of extra time, and I think that's yeah. one of the big takeaways we've had, and is just another thing that we've. We can add to our list of things that we're gradually learning and will fail to implement, I'm sure, many times over and then <laughs> hopefully get it right at some point. But yeah. Yeah. Um, the next skill we want to move on to is probably my favorite one, to be honest. And it's um, having a startup mentality no matter where you work. So, like, that's the idea that you want to, every time you go to work, you want to try and improve your whole firm, not just yourself. Mm. And I suppose, like, yeah. The, that in essence is going to make you a valued employee because like if you're thinking and most of these things come back to empathizing with the greater good of everyone rather than just yourself and in doing that you normally get a good return for yourself because if everyone's being prosperous and you're you get your share in that that's going to be great so i think i think it's a really interesting point you make about startup mentality can you speak i suppose i know will because like when you first brought up with me i like hadn't thought about it this way but can you speak like when you think of startup mentality, like what are you looking for in your thought processes? Like are you always yeah, just... Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's the same you know, when you're young. I guess a lot of people have a million business ideas and like they're out there, you know, they're trying drop shipping, they're trying whatever. Mm. And it's like all these people have these great ideas and these they're thinking very entrepreneurially. And then mm. when they go to their, you know, their nine to five job, whatever, they're for whatever reason, they switch that off, mm. I feel like. I don't know, but like... Um, I know that probably I'd do it as well. Mm. Um, but that's probably the time when you probably should be switching it on because you're already in a, you know, you're in a workplace where there's structures around you where if you did have a good idea, mm. it could potentially be easy for it to take off and like, yeah, you'd obviously be rewarded by that, you know, within your firm. And I think, you know, we've heard from pretty much every person on the podcast that we've had on that the number one thing they promote is an ability for everyone in the firm you know, to have their job as CEO or key executives. Customers. And the third thing is, and it's not for everybody, but if you have an aspiration uh, to progress your career, and indeed if you have an aspiration to, to have my job at Australia Post, then, you know, we want to make sure that we provide a pathway and environment that allows you to do that. And I think, um, you know, the one that, you know, is most memorable to me is when um, we had Carl Morris on and he was saying how, He's always looking for people to, you know, move the needle. And he gave this really good example of mm. how he did it when he was young. Mm. There's two things I sort of, you know, look at is, is, is changing, you know, you know, is moving the needle, I suppose. You know, when you're a senior executive, you know, how you're moving the needle of the firm. You know, a lot of people, and, you know, good luck to them. You know, very comfortable to come to work every day and they're just, you know, happy with what they're doing and, you know, that's all I want to do. But, you know, there's mm. other people within the firm especially the senior people are here to move the needle you know they're here to to um, to grow and to 
um, encourage our own people, you know, to 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 you know to make the business you know better every day. And yeah, so I found that very interesting from Carl, like, you know, how he stressed that anyone in the firm, no matter what their level of seniority, and like, you know, when he was, you know, quote unquote, moving the needle, he was literally like, you know, he was probably like an intern, I think he was. Yeah, real, um, real junior. Yeah, real he? junior. But he just found a little way that ensured that the the um the firm or the brokerage place received the cash, you know, mm. a day earlier, which is, um. You know, it was it it was it meant quite a lot to them, right? Mm. And it was just it was a small thing, um, but yeah, he spoke to that as like how that's an example of how you can you know move the needle no matter what level yeah. in your firm you are. You can always find little ways to be in, in like an entrepreneur, for example. Yeah, yeah. and it, yeah, and you speak like it doesn't have to be. I think the key thing here is you don't you're not going to change you're not going to change something overnight like you no, yeah. and it, it can often be internal like it can be something about your own day-to-day work and i think it's also very important as much as we say this like it's important to be entrepreneurial it's also important to understand your role yeah, and yeah, like yeah. perform your functions of your role and understand how you can make how you can perform better within your role but cuz as part of any startup everyone knows that people have to be willing to get down and do the, the do dirty the work, and yeah. pre- pretty pretty boring jobs at times yeah. and so particularly as a junior and a, and a young person i think that's something like like i've certainly learned in some of the jobs i've done there's some stuff that's pretty like it's it, it will be a grind but you sort of know that doing that is almost rewarding in a way because you know that you're playing your role and if mm. you become really good at doing that simple job like carl he mm. was really good really really good at doing that simple job and he thought of a way to make it better i think if every if every employee can think that sort of way like and not not everyone because not sorry i shouldn't say everyone because not everyone wants to move the needle some people are just going to be great at doing their one role and they don't need to they don't need to ever create anything new because they will just be the most efficient and the best in the industry at doing that and that is equally as important if not more important than being able to move the needle yeah but i guess what we're saying is we think there's often a lot of good ideas amongst people where they're scared of voicing it and what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you voice an idea, you go to someone and they say, look, mate, we've thought of this before or look, I, good idea. We love that you're thinking about it, but there's this X, Y, Z reason why it can't happen. Yeah. And like the more times that, that happens to you, the, the better because chances are you've, 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 you've had a good conversation with someone about it. Yeah, exactly. You go refine it. Like yeah, and, the literal worst case is that you've learned something. Like, yeah. you know, it's, there's nothing else really to it. Which when we think about, when Will and I think about why, one of the reasons why, behind, like behind why we started this podcast, it was like, okay, look, what's the worst thing that can happen? We get in the room with a few, with a few people, we have a chat and then we've learned something. Yeah. Whether we make any money out of the podcast, whether it leads to anything at all, yeah. doesn't really matter beyond that because worst case, we've learned something. And I think that's the, that's the thing that a lot of, a lot, a lot of people need to realize is often like the the reasons that you have for not doing something are like something like they're they're just they're just irrelevant because the worst case scenario is you you are where you were before but you've learned one more thing and i and i guess and that probably sounds a bit grim coming from a a young person but i guess that's probably (laughs) probably the mentality i'm trying to adopt in my life and i i don't know i think it's i I think it's working and i i think it's something that um a lot of young people can hopefully take on board Mm. Um, yeah, and so the last the last um, skill we've identified as being important for future 
you know, future business leaders is it's not really a skill. It's more, I guess, a trait and that's ambition. Mm. And I also was quietly ambitious, I think is what I would say. And I never think that ambition is a dirty word. Ambition is a mm. fabulous word because people who are ambitious take risks, try harder, work harder. I always want to employ people who are ambitious because I know mm. if they want my job, they're going to work really hard and, and I'm going to look better because of it. Mm. So <laughs> always, yeah, some, something, I've, something I've learned over time. Yeah, and something quite paramount in that interview with Kathleen Newcomb um, was her willingness to embrace ambition, both her own ambitions, but ultimately the, the ambitions of her employees. Um, she touches on the idea that ambition in her mind is not a dirty word, and ultimately when channeled in the right way, ambition can be a very um, very beneficial part of an employee's character. So I think, I don't know, that's something I find very interesting, and I think something that um, Vinny touched on, Paul, Vin- Paul Vincent touched on in, in his interview, um, yeah, he's, that was a great, a great, great quote. quote. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where he said um, he always looks to employ someone smarter than him. You said before about employing people. My motto has always been to employ someone smarter than, than, than me. And if someone leaves, I just employ someone smarter. <laughs> and when I say smarter, I mean smarter in every respect who can do a better job. So if you keep on improving the quality of the people you bring in, Mm. then what happens is you end up with a team that is, is just um, excels. And I think that's something that's very important for, um, for us to understand at our age and then also for um, business owners to understand is that it's okay for someone around you to be better at something than you are because like, that's mm. not a threat, that's, that's an opportunity and that's how I think the best leaders probably perceive it. I don't know, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Yeah, for sure. And I think the key thing that, you know, these, you know, CEOs and executives were telling us was like to be ambitious. Like they were saying that no one's going to frown on you for, for being like that. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think the key thing there is that, yeah, you know, our young business leaders are going to are gonna be ambitious. Hmm. And um, yeah, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be frowned upon to be that way. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, as Kathleen said, it's often looked at as like a dirty word or like, yeah, you know, there's often, um, you know, portrayals of it where like you're, you know, perhaps comes off as a bit arrogant sometimes. But, um, you know, when you hear from people like Kathleen how much they um, value ambition, mm. it's really, you know, it's interesting to hear because, you know, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have thought that way prior to hearing no. that. I would have thought to just have my head down at work and just, you know. Yeah, do my little bits and pieces. Which you definitely still need. You You definitely still need to do. And I think it's ultimately the ambitious ambitious people that are, sorry to cut you off, but like the Mm. ambitious people that are well-respected are the ones that like we think of Paul Graham and his willingness to do the dirty work that um, ultimately has earned him the respect of his his employees and his colleagues. Because I think like, yeah, you can be ambitious, but if you're ambitious and you, it's clear that your intention is only to ascend yourself. Yeah, to be the hero. Or to be the big yeah. hero. Like, I don't I don't, yeah. I don't, think that's ever going to fly. Yeah. Like, and it's particularly in Australian culture, probably something that <laughs> isn't, isn't going to fly too high. Like, and yeah. I think in, for a lot of reasons, that's, that's not a bad thing because it promotes like being part of a team. But I also just don't think, don't ever let um, your fear of like, you know, being frowned upon for having a crack ever ever let you down yeah and i think it's pretty interesting that we you know instead of that clip about um paul vincent's quote saying he'd employ people you know a lot smarter than him Mm. um paul graham said something similar 
um, where he said he wants to make sure that anyone at Australia Post um, can be in a position where they can they could potentially get his job, mm. and he would he wants to build an environment where that's definitely possible because that's what he believed was um, what makes a great team, what makes a great business. Mm. And that was really interesting how like those sorts of ideas sort of aligned with um, with Paul Vincent and um, Paul Graham. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like you can create that environment and ultimately like there's only a few people that can hold certain positions in a firm. But if you create that environment where people are striving towards being better and you, you have that sort of incentive, mm. they're going to be better employees for you. And then at some point that might mean that they go work somewhere else and I think that's the other thing. Um, the other thing, and it's, we keep coming back to some of Paul's comments, but the other thing that Paul Vincent said as well was he never wanted someone to leave, um, leave with the bad thoughts about his company as well. Yeah. Like, and that that's really interesting because I think, uh, yeah, good good leaders probably acknowledge that yeah people are going to pursue their career. And I think one thing that I've very much learnt from all our leaders is that they don't frown upon people pursuing career goals because ultimately. Yeah, you do also have to understand like that they that people want to progress themselves, and then I think I yeah, it's just such a tough balancing act, isn't it? Mm. But all these lessons all stem back to the fact that if you're nice to each other, you work hard, and you're willing to make the firm a better place. Um, I think that's going to be some of the key characteristics that define our future leaders. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Charlie, I'm pretty keen for this part of the podcast. So we sort of were talking about you know, who we could talk here, who sort of embodies, you know, the values we just talked about. And I think someone that we thought was pretty cool um, and that's created a pretty, you know, amazing business is David Chudhope, CEO and founder of Macquarie Telecom. Mm. Um, and so I'm just going to outline his story quickly and then we're just going to talk about him um, and, you know, how he's such a great example of this. So... David quit his banking job at 25 to found a startup to take on an absolute behemoth in Telstra. He saw an opportunity to service the, who, to service the consumer who he thought for so long had been unloved and underserviced. Early on in his journey, although incredibly intelligent and incredibly hardworking, David realised he was terrible at what he described as one of the most important skills in running a business, being able to sell your product or service. It cannot be understated how vital that realisation was as I don't think it would have been an easy one because it involved David having to recognise that he was lacking in a crucial area. But instead of letting it overwhelm him or dampen his spirits, he went straight to the Sydney Convention Centre to one of Tony Robbins' conferences and learn how to be a salesperson. Above all else, David was a fierce competitor. He had an extreme belief that he would succeed. It might take him years, he said, but that belief that he would eventually make it was paramount to making sure he got through that period and persevered. He battled for years not paying himself, put in an insane amounts of sweat equity in the meantime and was getting through by the absolute skin of his teeth. It was an aid to him though, as he puts it, quote, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. He told Forbes Australia that he was shaped by the Stockdale paradox, named after Admir Admiral Stockdale who was the highest ranking US prisoner of war in Vietnam. After many, many years in captivity, his observation was that the people who survived the prisoner of war camp were the ones that had the absolute belief that they would be released and would live life at the other side. David said, you need to have that deep belief inside that you will ultimately be successful. 
It's just a question of time and effort and creativity on the way. 31 years on, since he founded Macquarie Telecom, it is now worth 1.16 billion Australian dollars and is undergoing an interesting shift into a greater focus on cybersecurity and data center services. If history repeats itself, as it often does, David has likely done his homework and has found another industry in need of a shake-up. It's hard not to see the parallels between David's story and the skills that have come up time and time again on our podcast as necessary. Yeah, no, I find that very interesting, Will. And I think probably like taking on a company like Telstra, you probably don't take them on by yourself. And I think it's, no. I think it's obviously something that he he would have he would have done straight away, and he sought to you know leverage upon the um, thoughts and perspectives of other people. And I think in doing that, he like as you said, he went to that he went to that sales conference down in Sydney, right? Mm. And he's gone, okay, well, sales isn't something I'm great at. How do I get better at it? And he's yeah. he's gone, okay. So in that, he's gone, yep, I need to learn how to communicate better with my audience. He's, seen, he's had a willingness to listen and take feedback on board. And then he's been bloody ambitious to, like, to be honest, do something that even some of the great, great, great ambitious leaders probably never would have had in their, in their, in their armory to take yeah, on Telstra. I'm not so, sure, um, you know, many, you know, great business leaders would have, you know, sent themselves to the Sydney Convention Centre to go <laughs> to, a, to a salesperson conference. I found that, that part you know very interesting how, that's very interesting yeah. yeah how he's just you know drop the ego i'm gonna go here and just learn I'm, i suck at this yeah i'm gonna learn yeah and i think like even in in doing that so david what what he's created a 1.16 billion dollar business or something something ridiculous like yeah. something off the charts that 99 percent of us will never do and he he knows that so probably even more 99.99 percent of us will <laughs> never do and he he knows that inside him and like There'd be a lot of people that when they get to that point, they would be, you know, potentially become, you think they're better than everyone else. But David, just to give everyone on our podcast a little bit of an understanding, I sent David a message probably, oh, would have been just before, at the start of our podcast, so a few months ago. And um, in it, it was pretty much, I read a Finn Review article about him, how he he found some quote in a in a book um, when he was studying at uni. Mm. And so it was funny because I was reading the article whilst I was having a break studying at uni like he was back then. And I was like, oh, bugger it. I'll send this bloke a message and flicked him a message to say, hey, really pre- really found you, um, your story interesting. Um, uh, yeah, hope, hope you're doing well and th- thank you for providing such an insightful um, insight into, into your life and your background. And then like obviously send that off with zero intent of like receiving a message back. It was more just procrastinating my uni. And then, and then, wake up the next morning, and I've got this got this text from a guy called David Chudope, and I've gone, holy! And so yeah, that's I've been that's, scammed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thought thought, yeah, exactly right. And I, I've just I, I found that pretty incredible, and probably talks a lot to the guy's character that he's willing to um do something like that. And I think it comes back to his understanding of um ambition and his willingness to go. Okay, there's someone who's clearly like trying to have a bit of a crack with their business, trying to learn more stuff. And um, yeah, he, he sort of respected that. And I will be forever grateful to David G. Hope for doing that. And yeah. I'll try and implement that myself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, read up. I recommend, you know, read more about David's story. It's incredible. But just to recap from what we touched on the podcast um, and, you know, what he's definitely shown is, you know, he learned to be a better communicator by going to that sales person yeah. thing. Um, 
as you stated as well, he was a great collaborator. He drew extensively on. He was very close with his brother, and they sort of differing skill Aiden, sets. Aiden, Aiden, yeah. Up, isn't so they, yeah. they, he was able to draw on him, and then obviously outside sources as well, and then also the technology he had he had at his disposal. Um, and obviously, um, he had a willingness to listen by going to that. Um, yeah. You know, going to that salesperson convention. Um, and then, you know, his startup mentality was, you know... It's, well, it's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, his ambition was, you know, immense, taking on someone like Telstra. Um, I think it's actually, you know, I think it's a little bit of a underrated Australian business story because mm. until we were sort of, you know, diving really into the Australian business world doing this podcast, I couldn't honest, have told hadn't you really slot. heard about... Macquarie Telecom. Macquarie Telecom, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd heard it, it was a decent company to invest in potentially. Yeah. That's literally it. I didn't know anything about his story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we just thought it, would, it was a you know, a good idea to sort of bring that up today and give you guys an insight into Chudope's story. And, um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed um, this podcast outlining what we think and what we've learned from our guests, what um, will define our future business leaders. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, feel free to give us any feedback and we're, we're willing to listen and take on board for what you guys would want to hear more because um, I think one thing we're trying to learn and really build as part of this podcast is a, an engaged community. So any yeah. any interactions on any of our LinkedIn posts or Instagram posts is really appreciated because it helps us gain a better understanding of what people want to hear about. And yeah. the more we can do that, um, the the more impact we're having for our audience and we're willing to take on board ideas. So yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Business Of. If you enjoyed the show, please consider rating and following us on your chosen podcast platform, LinkedIn and Instagram, as it helps others find us. 